Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Randy Mitchell and Max Robinson here. It's a joy to be with you here today. We got Joe Berg at the controls doing an excellent job as always. Of course, we're not out there listening to the radio, so we assume he's doing a good job, Brother Max. Yeah. It's like a hurricane over there. <laughs> like a hurricane. That's right. We appreciate Joe and uh, all that he does here for uh, the Salt and Light broadcast, and uh, he's been a blessing to us. Brother Max, I uh, hope you're having a good day. How's things, how's life treating you? It's been a good day. Yeah. yeah. God is always good. Getting ready for Christmas? We are. Rachel's done a lot. Yeah. I will have to say, again, I don't want to be sound cheap, but... We were here first Christmas in North Carolina last year, and our our gracious neighbors gave us a live tree. Yeah. And my wife this year was like, we're going to do a tree again. She's like, well, I don't want to be too much, you know, <laughs> but we'll wait and see what happens. And, and you know, sure enough, you know, I, what do we say? You know, you don't want to be greedy or expecting but at the same time you don't want to lift look a gift tree in in the gift tree in the the (laughs) (laughs) you were being patient not manipulative patient and i and i do appreciate that on the lord to provide right and so that the daycare next to us is they teach kids kitty college and yeah you know and i i appreciate that they do it for the community yeah. And it was, I think they said just that morning, it was 270 some trees that they had given out. Wow. I mean, that's, that's a lot. Well, I, you're, you're more worthy than any of the 276. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was thankful. You know, we do artificial trees. I know some people, some purists would take we issue. We snub at that, no. <laughs> you, you, some people would snub at me over that, but you know what? We um, we had a good reason back in the day after Lynn and I first got married. Uh, she would be sick the whole month of December, and it was allergies. <laughs> and so we finally figured it out that it's not the stress of the holidays, it's the stupid tree. And so we went artificial. And, uh, you know, after that, I was sold on it because it's like you, you know, they're not exactly cheap and you buy the first one, but you don't have to pay that money every year. You don't have to go out in the cold and uh, we haven't had to do that either. (laughs) You haven't. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm just a mere mortal. I'm not blessed like you are. God doesn't look down upon me in favor, (laughs) in Christmas tree favor like he does you. (laughs) But anyhow, I, you know, what are, do you have any idea what a decent Christmas tree is running these days? I don't even pay any attention. No, I, you know, I've heard hundreds hundred dollars yeah over a hundred bucks i know that yeah but uh yeah they're pretty expensive this is a this is a nice tree yeah i mean it really is i again i i I, their kindness and the people behind doing that very kind god bless them we have any christmas tree growers from boone they're hating me right now (laughs) 
But anyhow, I, I like the tradition. We used to, seriously, we used to go up into the mountains of Idaho, and uh, we made it, it was like a family thing. We'd go out in the snow, because up in the high mountains, it's always snow, and so we'd uh, find a Christmas tree and cut it down and bring it back. Now, the ones that grow in the wild are not ever as good as the ones that grow on the tree farm. <laughs> that, that is true. It, some of them would look like a Charlie Brown Christmas tree, but yeah. they were they were free other than the $300 in gas that it would take to drive <laughs> up to the mountains and get them. But anyhow, we, it, it, was, it was some good memories and we had some fun. So, well, I'm glad that you got your tree and you're getting ready for Christmas. Uh, we're certainly... Uh, looking forward to family, and um, you know it's it's nice here during the month of December. We have a lot of Christmas carols that we sing in the congregational uh, music service at Temple Baptist Church, and and I like some of that. Some of those songs have some meaning to them. Some of them maybe just sentiment and tradition, but uh, uh, you know, to, to each know. his own, and right. it's just something different and. Uh, that's one thing that I like about Christmas is it does kind of just break the routine. And it's something that regardless of what it means to various people, it's it's something that certainly uh, can be enjoyed. We're going to talk more about enjoying Christmas uh, being, you know, we talk about happy holidays. We're going to talk about happiness and the holidays later on in the broadcast. But uh, just so that we make sure that we focus on the things that are most important uh, we want to spend some time here talking about what Christmas is supposed to be about, and that's about Jesus Christ. And so before we uh, head into the break here in a few minutes, would you introduce our first topic for today, what, we, uh, what we're going to be talking about, Brother Max? Well, we're going to be talking about, of course, Jesus Christ, but more importantly, I mean, we're going to refer to the evidence of him being a very real historical figure, that that's inarguable. You know, that uh, even secular history, secular uh, scholars, you cannot deny the fact that there was Jesus of Nazareth. But, but yet isn't it true that seemingly uh, here in modern times, there are people who are denying the historical existence of a man named right. Jesus Christ and, of and, Nazareth? And if not denying it, which they are, which some do, just removing it from historical record, right? We, we've gone woke in certain areas, mm. and we want to remove certain historical figures and their impact on history and their relevance from history, yeah. which is impossible to do. It's unarguable, unargu but it certainly is ignorable, yes. and that's the way that they so see that, it. So that's what's happening, but we want to even get a little more deeper into the idea, or not the idea, but the fact, the truth, that Jesus Christ is God, mm -hmm. and that that is a fundamental, essential doctrine of the faith of those that truly would be called Christian. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you don't, um, if you're not familiar with this, we talk about it as the deity of Christ, the term deity is referring to God, and the Bible teaches, we certainly believe, that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. He was not just a, he wasn't the son of Joseph. He was certainly the, um, he was born of the womb of Mary, but it was a virgin birth. He had God as his father, according to the gospel record. Now, we have to just, we have to be fair about that. We're talking about according to the scripture, 
according to the evidence, and there are eyewitness evidence, there's so much evidence that the Scripture talks about that if it's true, and we believe that it's true, uh, then certainly it's uh, without argue, it's, it's a slam dunk in any court of law that Jesus Christ was not just a prophet or a good man or a good example. He was the God-man. He was God manifest in the flesh. And so uh, that's what we need to emphasize because that's the most important doctrine. You know, without Jesus Christ being God, then the gospel message has no effect. Everything that we have believed would be in vain if Jesus is not who he says that he was. He's either Lord liar or lunatic according to his own words and right. so we need to take the word of god for what it says and uh, and that's why it's so important that we follow the bible not man's teaching and so we want to give you some scriptural evidence and stay tuned we'll talk more about this after the break Welcome back. We are discussing the truth of Jesus Christ. And uh, not long ago, I mean, not long, for us, not long ago as we're getting older, but there was a Christian film made, The Case for Christ. There was a book, and this gentleman was challenged himself with looking at the evidence to actually affirm if there was Jesus Christ. And, and as he went down that road, he conclusively came to the truth that not only was there Jesus Christ, not only is the scripture correct, not only is there just historical evidence throughout the centuries to promote that, he came to an even greater conclusion. And this conclusion is what you said uh, in the last segment. You mentioned, you know, Jesus Christ is either Lord, liar, or lunatic. Mm -hmm. For me, he is Lord. Amen. And that's me too. the conclusion that I have come to, and my faith has brought me to that point, and I'm thankful for that. And that gentleman that uh, authored that book, that went down that road, that was the conclusion he came to. Not only was Jesus a historical figure, not only was he real, not only is there uh, the not just the viability and the veracity, but there's the authority of the written record of the Word of God, and came to that conclusion. And and I think it's important, and if you permit me here to read a verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. It says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And, and people believe a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, and we're at Christmas time, and people have different beliefs on a lot of different things. And I know we're not going to get into all that, but he says this, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So you go through the text, he's clearly talking about Jesus Christ. He is not just believing, he is persuaded, and in his persuasion is believing that Christ is Lord, and there is the authority in him being Lord that his belief that Christ came died on the cross, rose again, which we know the Apostle Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
clearly explain that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 mm-hmm. and the fundamental necessity of that resurrection. He is persuaded that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the resurrected Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And that he is able to do everything he said and would do, and that is eternal life. Yeah. Well, you think about it, the Apostle Paul made it clear if Jesus didn't resurrect, then our faith is vain. We're yet in our sins, he said. And he said, we might as well eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. There's no hope if there is no resurrection, if Jesus didn't resurrect from the grave. And the interesting thing is he rose again three days and three nights later of his own power. And so, you know, there are instances where Jesus uh, resurrected Lazarus from the grave. We have instances where Elijah rose, you know, supernaturally. Uh, brought life back to someone. We have instances, but no other incidents of somebody who resurrected on their own power. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Well, Jesus didn't have any of his own sin, so death ultimately did not have power over him. Now, he did die physically, but that's because he bore our sins in his body there on the tree. So he, the sinless one, died for the sinner, and, but that's the reason that death couldn't keep him. And you think about the Apostle Paul's confidence when he said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What did the Apostle Paul stand to gain? You know, he didn't always believe that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh, that he was the Messiah. In fact, he was so adamant that he was opposing it, putting people into prison and consenting to their torture and their murder and and all of that. He was adamantly on the other side opposing what we believe, but he had a salvation experience. He got regenerated. Uh, The Holy Spirit was already speaking to him. And then when he recognized and began to believe that Jesus was the Son of God, his life totally changed doesn't mean that he went into a better life. His whole Christian life from the time he got saved was filled with trouble, turmoil, suffering, heartache, rejection, one thing after another after another, but he yet still said with confidence. The testimony of the Apostle Paul is a pivotal um, proof that Jesus is who he claimed to be. Exactly. And, you know, I, I think it is great to point out, too, that just Believing in Christ and making him Lord doesn't mean that everything in your life and problems go away. And we, we discussed that a bit last week on the, on the program, and, and, and it, it's true. But we do have God's grace that as a lost person, you don't have yeah. that can help you through these things. Well, when we finally recognize that we are sinners, I don't mean the, just the sense of the universality of sin. Everybody says, yeah, nobody's perfect. We're all sinners, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that kind of a belief. I'm talking about Holy Spirit conviction. When we come face to face with an encounter with God and he reveals to us just how sinful and wicked that we are, when that happens, you're not thinking about what everybody else is. You're thinking, I need, I need God's forgiveness. I need to be saved because my sins are dragging me down to an eternal devil's hell, and I need rescued from that. 
And that's the only thing that matters. If life's not going to be perfect in the here and the now, it's worth it if we know that it's going to be all right in the there and the then. And so that's the joy of the Christian life. It doesn't mean that all of us are going to—I'm glad that I got right with God. I've had a life, a Christian life full of troubles and trials, but I wouldn't trade it for the heartache that I had before I got right with God for nothing because— I didn't have that inner peace. I can have a rough day and I can still lay my head on my pillow at night knowing that, hey, if something happened to me, I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. I'm going to have eternal life, joy and bliss and happiness, even though what I'm going through in this life maybe isn't so pleasant right now. Right. I think that uh, where you, you want to bring up as well, Ness, is we we can talk we're talking about christ we're talking about jesus we're talking about his coming and you already mentioned this this time of year we know this is the time we look at his first advent born of a virgin his father is god the father he's begotten of god and he is the only begotten of god that means he is the only one mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there and these things are according to scripture and you and i we hold to the writings and teachings of the King James Bible. That's our authority that we use. And mm-hmm. I think it's important to have an authority because Amen. You, you can, there are other translations, there are other ideas out there, but they came from man mm-hmm. and their thinking in their ways. And here's a, a warning in this or something that we need to consider in all this is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse four. And it says, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, mm-hmm. whom we have not preached. So this is the, the epistle to the church at Corinth. This is, again, inspiration of the Holy Spirit from Paul <clears throat> to the churches. Or if you receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with them. And it's a warning about, look, there is other Jesus being taught. Even in this day, I mean, mm-hmm. here we are very close to the time of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, right? This is, this is not many years later, mm-hmm. and there's already being perpetrated in religion among others about another gospel, another Jesus, another way. And Christ himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He made it very clear, I and my Father are one. These are inseparable, factual things that are essential in believing in Christ and who he is and yeah. things that we can't deny. And the scriptures are warning against us. And we, we know in the time we're in, there's some variations being taught. Yeah. Yeah. And some people don't realize it. And listen, folks, we're not trying to be controversial, but, you know, we're just speaking what we know to be true. There are other, and they call themselves Christian religions. There are, I'm sure that uh, many of our listeners have encountered Jehovah's Witnesses. Some of our listeners may be Jehovah's Witnesses. And they actually teach that Jesus was not God manifest in the flesh. They oppose what we teach. And yet uh, John 1, verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, it's talking about Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. That's Jesus Christ in the beginning. It's talking about before he came to be born of a manger in Bethlehem. It says in John chapter number one, later on in the chapter, that all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So that tells me that Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That God is talking about the Son of God, God the Son, who by him made all things. Right. And, and then it says in First uh, John 1, 14, or excuse me, John 1, 14, it says, and the Word, capital W, became flesh and dwelt among us. And that's the whole gospel message. That's, the, that's God's plan for the entire human race. He did not want Adam to sin in the Garden of Eden. He gave Adam a free choice. He's given all of us volition. We make our choices, and yet God, as our creator, has done everything he can to correct the mistakes, the sins that the human race has committed. And people say, well, why are we suffering because of uh, Adam's sin? Well, God's not going to put you and I in hell because of Adam's sin, but what Adam did changed the nature of the human race. And only Jesus Christ can restore that. There had to be a supreme sacrifice and uh, God in his holiness, somebody had to pay. Either we had to die because God said that when you eat of that fruit, you're going to become as gods, knowing good and evil. The day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. So Jesus died in our place if we'll believe it and receive it. Absolutely. And again, it's we have to stick with what God has given us as the word and take it by faith, yeah. believing it is real. Amen. We're going to talk a little bit more about this after the break and then uh, talk a little bit more lighthearted stuff about the holidays. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. First John chapter number 5, verse number 10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. Uh, the Apostle John, uh, later on here in this chapter, talks about he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And so, folks, as we're talking about Jesus Christ here, we're not talking about any particular religion. I mentioned a religion uh, before the break, and, uh, you know, different religions have different beliefs. Just because a religion says we name the name of Jesus doesn't mean that the nature of that character is the same as what the Bible says. And so, truly, from a biblical standpoint, Brother Max, I would have to say if somebody believes that their Jesus is not God manifest in the flesh or that he is a spirit brother of Lucifer or so forth, then they're talking about another Jesus. Same name, different person, because the it's not the label that matters. It's what's inside the, 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 the carton. It's, that's what really matters. And so just because something says that it's Christian doesn't mean that it is. Exactly. Not about religion, it's whether you have the Son. If you have Jesus Christ, you have life. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have life. That's a level playing field for every religion, Baptist or otherwise. And so that's what, that's what we are being proponents of, not any church or religion, but of 
Jesus Christ and who he is. You know, I have here, and I know you have it as well, and we covered this in a Bible study the other day. We have pages and pages of uh, authorities in various things, archaeologists, anthropologists, uh, theologians, uh, professors, that just all this evidence, clear back to the first century regarding the New Testament, uh, when it's written, its historical accuracy. You can go to uh, historical figures that are authorities even today on history, like Josephus, mm-hmm. that speak of and write of so many of these things. And there's contemporaries uh, in our time. There's a, a man by the name of Edwin Yamauchi. He's a professor at Miami University. And uh, I don't know if he's still pro- uh, a, a teacher there or a professor there, but even he says this, he says that we have more and better historical documentation for Jesus than for any other religious founder. It just the amount of just general basis and foundational uh, evidence of the fact of Christ, just as who he is and what he is, exists. Uh, there's another gentleman, and this goes clear back. This goes back a lot of years. His name is Thallus, and I, I might be pronouncing it wrong. We might have some historians out there that rebuke me on that. I apologize. I'm not an expert on. They'll get over it, brother. All those things, okay. <laughs> so he wrote a history in A.D. 52. That's getting pretty close to the time of Christ, mm-hmm. A.D. 52. And I still like to use A.D. I'm not going woke with all these new terms of what is it bce and all this other that's a whole nother topic whole nother subject i'm old school right i'm so anti-woke i don't even know what you're talking about (laughs) well they have a new they have a new chronology (laughs) before common area after whatever okay we won't even go there i need to get out more (laughs) you do and so and he wrote in about this in AD 52, in which he described, this is, to me, this is going to get into where the heart, where we wanted to go here in a moment. It says, in which he described the darkness and earthquake that followed Christ's crucifixion. And I'm saying, clearly, clearly, this is an observation. This is things that were reported and said of. Mm-hmm. Truly, even the Roman soldiers, when they were there, said, is this not the Son of God? Yes. He declared himself to be God the Father, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Christ was the Lamb that was promised, clear back Genesis 3.15, the days of Abraham, as Abraham himself is on Mount Moriah with his son, and by faith, believing that God himself shall provide a lamb. That lamb, slain before the foundation of the world, came. Right? Absolutely. As we know in Matthew and Luke, Jesus Christ himself, as he began his ministry, is reading from the Old Testament and speaking and reading scripture of that he came, right, to heal the brokenhearted. And he said... This day is a scripture fulfilled in your ears. He said, I am. Fundamental truths. Mm -hmm. Who he is. It is inarguable who himself he declared him to be 
giving all this evidence as he you go through the book of John. He's the living water. Yeah. He's the light of the world. He is the bread of life. Every aspect of that Old Testament tabernacle and temple that was the even with the Jewish believing this is this is this is our salvation is being demonstrated in this someday. Christ came and fulfilled it. Mm-hmm. And even faithful to the cross, died, rose again, seen of over 500, seen of the disciples, personally doing a witness to the Apostle Paul, Acts chapter 9, on the road to Damascus. And for me, as an eight-year-old boy, the truth and the glorious light of the Lord Jesus Christ being preached and taught out of the book, of, out of the Bible, I, by faith, accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior repented of my sins, and put my faith wholly in him, nothing else, because he is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. When I got saved, I didn't know about those 500 witnesses. I didn't know about all of these evidences that the Scripture talks about. I didn't have enough understanding, but I had enough understanding to listen to what the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart through the gospel and showing me that I was a sinner and that I needed Jesus Christ. And God put that in my heart to want Jesus to be my Savior. I responded, and everything that's happened in my life, Brother Max, is consistent. All of my experiences, whether they're good or evil, have been consistent. The Word of God has bore witness that God's Word is truth. The gospel works. And I know that from experience. I also know it from rational observation, the proof that you've talked about. Listen, it's got to be by faith, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'm glad that we have some evidence in not only a changed life, but the fact that uh, reality and truth bear witness to what the Word of God says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And listen, you might be a listener out there, and you've been thinking about what we've been talking about. Well, the Apostle John said in chapter 20 and verse number 30, he said, many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But he said, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Right. Listen, you, you read the Gospel of John. If you're searching, if you don't know what the answers are, you read the book of John with an open heart, and you say, God, if you're real, if Jesus is your Son, if Jesus is the Savior of the world and wants to be my Savior— I'm going to read the Gospel of John and see what God says to you. I, I believe with all of my heart that, uh, that just like John said, the Gospel of John will have a powerful effect on your life. It says in John 1, verse 11, he came, excuse me, verse 10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. It's a powerful thing to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's not just a name it, claim it, or, well, yeah, I believe this and you believe that. It's not just being in a category. It is the power of God unto salvation. Well, Brother Max, I've enjoyed 
talking about Jesus Christ. We're about to wrap up this third segment. We've got one uh, shorter segment after this. And so let's segue and transition something a little bit more. Uh, You know, what we've been talking about is not heavy, but it's more serious truth. We want to spend a little bit of time just being kind of practical stuff that's important, not certainly not even in the same category of, as the importance of talking about Jesus Christ. But for sake of uh, the Christmas season, for the sake of uh, just variety here on Salt and Light here today, I want to talk about happiness in, uh, during the holidays. We tell people happy holidays, and I, I, don't, I don't get all uh, super offended. I do like the term Merry Christmas because Christmas has Christ in it. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the world and the devil is trying to do everything that they can to take Christ out of Christmas. But I'm just not, if somebody says happy holidays, I'm not going to, you know, rebuke them and give them a face full of quills because they said something meaning to be nice. Sometimes people aren't going woke. They're not being, you know, irreligious about it. They're just repeating stuff. They're just saying happy holidays. But truly, Brother Max, when I look around during the holiday season, I don't see, we say happy holidays. We see it in people's yards. We see it on signs. We see it even on church signs, happy holidays, people wishing happiness. But I don't see a lot of happiness. Sometimes during the month of December, you look around and you see a lot of depression and a lot of darkness. Why is that? Just, you know, your opinion, why do you suppose that people typically aren't as happy during December as they ought to be? Well, I think the strictest answer is, is because of a lack of faith in Christ and having him as your Savior, and because joy and happiness comes from him. Mm -hmm. But there are even those that are Christians that are going to have some sadness, and, you know, there, there are things... Look, we have so many broken homes today. And as you, I grew up, you know, Christmas time is a great time. Uh, and when there's that brokenness as you get older, it heightens that. Yeah. And it. It's not as quite as magical as when you watch there, there is some the Red Reindeer. <laughs> as you get older. And, you know, and especially in broken homes and things like that. And then. Overcoming, you know, if you've been overcome with some addictions and things, all this holiday in that what you think it should be and it isn't brings on a lot of depression. And, you know, that's not only relevant for Christmas, it's relevant for life. Expectations and reality seldom, reality never lives up to expectations. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have expectations, but what we need to do is we need to have more realistic expectations. And so we're going to talk more about this after the break. There's some things that I think that uh, might be helpful, so make sure you stay tuned. Welcome back. Uh, We are talking about happiness in the holidays. And, uh, you know, I would say really what we're talking about is how to be happy during the holidays. Right before the break, Brother Max, we talked about expectations versus reality. And something that the Bible teaches that most people are unaware of, but need to be aware of, and that is that we are, listen, Christmas is an emotional time. 
a lot of people deal with emotions during the holiday season because maybe they've lost a loved one and they have a lot of memories of the holiday seasons and their loved ones and it's just it is a a gut punch that my loved one is no longer here especially if it happened last year or the year before and i understand and have compassion for those emotions i've been there but what most people don't realize is that emotions are something that you can't sweep them under the carpet but according to the Bible, they're to be managed. Uh, Solomon said, he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. We're vulnerable if we don't learn how to manage our emotions. Now, that doesn't mean try to tune, turn them off. That, that, would be, that would not be realistic. Or become cold and hard. That's what I mean. Yeah. It's like we're not saying be cold and hard, but emotions need to be managed rather than allowing our emotions to manage our life. Um, you know, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so emotions are there for a purpose, and some emotions are to be enjoyed. Some emotions are to be managed. And if you're suffering the loss of a, a loved one during the holiday season, listen, you're, you're going to hurt for a while. It's going to take some time. But if you want to manage those emotions, then you're going to have some loneliness. Be proactive, not reactive. You know, some people, they run to the bottle when really what they need to do is they not need to start giving of themselves. Maybe make a friend, maybe invite somebody over to, you know, for Christmas and uh, make some new memories. They'll never live up to the old ones. And when do new memories ever live up to the old ones? We always romanticize and all of the old ones. We remember things way, way better than they were. You know, we remember a Christmas from 10 years ago that, oh, we had such a wonderful time. We forget that there was friction between Aunt Margaret and Uncle <laughs> Uncle Joe and that there was this, you know, back drama going on during all. We forget about all of that and we just remember, oh, that turkey was wonderful and we remember the gifts and how the tree looked. That's just human nature. God wired us to kind of forget some of the bad things of the past. So the past wasn't near as magical as we remember it to be, but we have to make some new memories. Don't expect them to live up to the old ones, but eventually over time, the more that we fill our heart with new memories, it will lessen the pain of some of those losses from our old memories. And so is there something else that you can think of uh, helping people to be happy during the holidays? I think we can help others with that. Mm. And I think this is... Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, tenderhearted, having compassion on people during this time. And then it says forgiving one another. You know, this is a great time. If we've been harboring stuff, especially in family and family matters, exercise <laughs> forgiveness. And I, you know, I said, here's your gift, you filthy animal. <laughs> you exactly. And I... It's something that weighs on my heart, especially as our brothers and sisters in Christ that are older, as they've experienced a lot of life, a lot of loss, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a husband or a wife is gone. Some have even had children precede them in death. And they'll find themselves in a home being taken care of, and it can be very lonely. 
And as Christians, you know what? We need to minister and reach out to them. And I, I'm glad, I'll say this, it, you know, not to give our church a plug, <laughs> Temple Baptist Church. We have some Pastor good, Randy Mitchell. Yeah, we, <laughs> <laughs> Assistant Pastor Max Robbins. We have some good people that reach out. You know, I, one of the brothers that's in uh, Brookdale, I, I ask him every week, has anybody been in to see you? Who's been to see you? Who's come? And because he, he gets lonely, obviously slow. I mean, if you look at the number of hours he's there by himself, a few visits. It's not much. It's not much. And and it brings it to his memory, and that smile comes up. And, yeah, so-and-so was here. And, and uh, one lady, I got to say this, this dear sister in our church, Ardeth. Ardeth went in there. And he said, well, you didn't bring me any food. <laughs> and she said, you told me not to bring any more food. Yeah, but I didn't tell you not to bring any fudge. <laughs> he's, he's thinking Christmas fudge. He's thinking Christmas fudge. That's not fudge. food. That's fudge. That's fudge. It's different. And, <laughs> and it just, it's a, a blessing to see some. I think that is important to help those go through that. Yes, I think there ought to be on the other side, as you mentioned, go beyond yourself in your hurt. Yeah, and exercise some things to help somebody. But I think we really need to be conscious of those that have gone through some things, are hurting, and reach out. And that produces a good feeling, a good memory that really produces the right kind of happiness, not, exactly. not a circumstantial happiness. Well, I got a good gift or somebody did this for me. Those things don't stick in our memories very long. But what we do for others certainly does. Now, speaking of which, we're talking about giving of ourselves. Oftentimes, we com- Christmas has become so commercialized, and there's so much pressure. And uh, you know, I, I and I'm that way. If somebody gives me a, a gift that's worth fifty dollars, I feel like that I need to give them a gift that's worth fifty dollars. Well, or more, or more. Okay. Yeah, we got to one up each other. And and sometimes there's that pressure. And it becomes a financial burden, which even though we're trying to be happy, we're trying to, to do, do right by people, do right by our children, we want to give them a good Christmas. But sometimes those financial pressures, we end up spending money that we don't really have. And then it just it affects us emotionally and it takes away our happiness. And so not only managing our emotions, but also managing our finances and realizing that there's more to it than just the money that we spend. I'm not against spending money. As we've gotten older, I'm thankful that, you know, my kids are grown and, you know, now now we're able to spend money that back in the day it was it was a lot of pressure and it was a lot of burden. Just to, we want to have a good Christmas for our kids, but a lot of times it was tough on the budget. A little bit less tough today, and so I'm thankful for that. But you know, it doesn't mean that our kids who are just starting out and raising their kids doesn't mean that they have to uh, reciprocate. If we're able to buy them a hundred dollar gift we shouldn't expect that they're able to buy us a $100 gift in return. We should just do do the best that we can for our family and the people that we feel uh, a friendship obligation to and be giving, but don't let it become this big financial burden and pressure. That's become the norm all the way across the board. And, and I know I'm probably preaching to a lot of people that agree with me, but it's like they're not going to change. And I know that sometimes you just got to go with it. But the fact of the matter is, is it does 
hinder our happiness and it takes away the the true meaning uh, we're we're sacrificing the the real stuff for fool's gold. It's just like you have you know you have kids to a church meeting and we have bouncy houses. But what happens is they think you got to have a bouncy house every single kids event. The expectations just keep getting higher and higher and higher. And next thing you know, nobody's really enjoying it. Everybody's just feeling all of this pressure. So any yeah. last thoughts? Well, that's true. And you know with the overabundance of things that we can have, there can just continue to be a disillusionment in that and an emptiness. It's amazing. You can feel empty and having so much material things. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. I mean, the scripture teaches about that, right? About the man that gains the whole world, but yet loses his own soul. If that spiritual void exists, there isn't enough in this world to ever satisfy and make you happy and it is that is why christ needs to be a part of this time and he needs to be brought out in our homes you know i have talked to uh we were in ohio south poor coal mining area and those some of those people from the generations from that lived in the 40s and 50s in that poor area they remember christmas with such affinity and affection they got a penny and either an apple or an orange and they loved it mm -hmm. and they spoke of it because it was everything else that was associated with it it was it was jesus christ it was family it was love it was time being spent together it was a break from the chores it was these things in a in a, a happy meal together that really produced that joy and excitement. Amen. So folks, if you want to be happy during the holidays, first and foremost, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you know him as Savior, then put him first. Put your focus on him. That's the source of joy and happiness is Jesus Christ. After that, secondarily, give of yourself to others. Be a blessing to other people. Do something for someone, not just a gift or a monetary gift, but give of yourself. And that will in turn bring you joy. And so uh, we appreciate all of you and uh, we trust that you're having a good December and uh, we look forward to next week. God bless you. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust Him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon Him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible. Get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.